Honey Sana Compulsive Overeater and Bulimic. Um, thank you so much, Nick, for um, allowing me to be a service. It's a, it's a privilege, it's a, and ultimately a responsibility that I give back what was so freely given to me when I was when I first came in. Um, let's see, I came in July of 2010. My afternoon is July 12, 2010. And this was my first meeting, kitchen sink, when it was at the log cabin. So it feels really good to be back um, because I, I, um, I go to a lot of rally meetings now. Uh, let's see. So first of all, I want to say welcome to the newcomer. I'm here for you. Um, and also, thank you to all those old-timers. I see a lot of familiar faces in here. Um, he welcomed me when I first walked into these rooms and encouraged me to get a sponsor. There's another fellow in here who um, I saw right after my first meeting, and he said, if you really want to take this program seriously, you need to go to uh, a meeting tomorrow, which is Serenity Sunday, and I'll help you get a sponsor. And uh, that's exactly what I did. And um, three years later, like, it's a miracle. I'm here. Uh, let's see. Okay, so what it was like. So I came in at 270 pounds. And since then, I've been relieved of 80 pounds. And when I came in, I was really really desperate. I was really desperate. I was depressed. I was resentful. I was scared. I came in, and I said this before, there's a description in the doctor's opinion about a man just hiding out in a barn just waiting to die. And that was me. That was me. I, I was hopeless. I was hopeless. Um, I had come in before 2010, I had come in in my 20s, and when I came in at that time, I wasn't. I wasn't as desperate. I had come in, I audited, you know, the room. I um, I liked going to fellowship, and I, I liked, um, you know, the little parties that they had in the valley. But I wasn't willing to get a sponsor. I wasn't willing to make outreach calls. I wasn't willing to do any of that. And at that time, I thought, oh, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I remember at that time, I had told a fellow, um, I said, you know, I don't really think I'm a real compulsive over here. And at that time, again, I was in my 20s. I weighed about 240 pounds or so. I said, I don't really think I'm a real compulsive overeater. I think I'm going to try other things. And she said, okay, well, great. If you're not a compulsive overeater, well, you know, good luck. It was great knowing you. But um, if you are a real compulsive overeater, she said, you'll be back. And she said, you'll be back about 30 to 40 pounds heavier. And I remember that when she told me that, I thought she was a real witch, like, for telling me that. Uh, how could, you know, how could you say it in your program? Um, but you know what? That's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. During those 
three years or so that it took me to come back. Um, I tried Weight Watchers. I tried Jenny Craig. I tried The Shake. I tried Starvation. Um, I was using colonics, laxatives, and um, Starvation. I did Starvation. I auditioned for The Biggest Loser. I hired a dietitian. Um, I was seeing a therapist. And one day I went to go visit my doctor. And I had a physical, and you know how they always weigh you. And she said, Manny, so you're gaining a lot of weight. And she's like, why do you think this is? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she said, Manny, so have you ever, and she said, have you ever considered the lip band? And I thought, hmm, no. So she said, okay, you need to go see the therapist. So I went to go see the therapist, and I started, you know, and at that time I was really depressed, and and she says to me, she has me locked down all my food, and she says to me, Marisela, I see that you're, you're eating like cakes, like whole cakes. And she's like, do you think that you could uh, just say, if somebody offers you a piece of cake, you know, a slice, do you think that you could just say no? And I was like, no. <laughs> do you think that you could just, you know, just get a bite and just, you know, put it aside? And I said, no. And that was really, I mean, I was being really honest. I thought, you know, you must be crazy. I can't do that. And if that had worked, I would have, you know, I would have joined that whole Nancy Reagan just say no. <laughs> I couldn't just say no. And I get how my brain doesn't function normally when it comes to food. Uh, if somebody offered me, sure. And I am the type of person who'd go to the bakery and put names on there. I even went to the bakery and put my dog's name, happy birthday, Sasha, happy birthday, you know. And I would eat your cake on the way home. And that was just normal to me. So at one point, my therapist tells me, Maricela, you don't need lockdown. She's like, that's not what you need. She's like, what you really need is OA. And at that time, I thought, oh, great. She's like, these can you go to a meeting this weekend? I would see her on Monday. She said, can you go to a meeting by this, you know, next time I see you? And I said, sure. So I looked at the meetings, and I'm just so grateful because my sister had actually come in before me, so she led by example. She brought me to Kitchen Sink, and um, there was a speaker, and I remember after the meeting, people stood up to thank the speaker, and I thought, okay, I should do the same thing. And that's when I got up. I was in line behind another gentleman who told me about his physical recovery, and I thought, I want that. Um, and he gave me the next set of directions. He's like, if you really want to take this program seriously, go to Serenity Sunday and get a sponsor. And that's what happened. Um, next day, I showed up at Serenity Sunday, and I went up. I qualified as a newcomer. I got a chip, and right after the meeting, there was this woman who said, you know, she introduced herself to me. She said, Maricela, uh, go to lunch with me so we can talk. And I remember thinking that was a trick question. Like, it was <laughs> We went out to lunch, and she's like, she said, call me by 7 o'clock tonight. So I called her. I remember looking at myself and just timing, okay, 6.59, 7, call. 
So I called her at 7 o'clock, and she asked me two questions. She said, Maricela, are you willing to stop? And I said, yes. And she said, even though I didn't think I could, she just said, are you willing? And I said, yes. And she said, her second question was, are you willing to go to any length? Now, I had no clue what that meant, any length. No clue. I had no clue about sex work, about making amends in the future, and that was none of my business at that time. It was, I just said yes. And part of it was because I was a little intimidated by her. <laughs> so I said yes, and she said, okay, tomorrow you're going to, you know, you're going to tell me what you ate, you're going to call in, and she said, are you willing to go to three to four meetings a week, and call every day, and pray, meditate? So I said, yes, 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 yes. And since then, my life has literally gotten better. It has gotten better. Um, let's see. So, since working, at, I worked all 12 steps. I'm working them again. I'm currently on step seven. And my sponsor is having me work my steps a little differently this time, like I'm spending nine weeks on step seven. And I have never done that before. Um, but again, I don't question my sponsor. I don't debate with my sponsor. I just take direction. And because I go with the best thinking of another, my life has gotten better because obviously my best thinking didn't work. It got me depressed. It got me suicidal. And it got me 207 pounds. I don't keep any secrets. I was full of secrets before. I don't have any secrets now. Um, I turn everything over. Everything over to my sponsor, everything over to fellows, to God. And I still remember being at um, Serenity Sunday. And um, somebody talked about secrets and like shame and and at that time, I had just found out that I, I was pregnant, and I wasn't married, so for me, coming from this conservative Catholic family, um, there was, a, like, I didn't know how to tell anybody. And what have I learned in program? I've learned in program, when I don't want to share, that's when I have to share. And I raised my hand, they pointed at me, I went up, and I shared. And... Um, he said, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. How do I get through this? And uh, it's amazing the amount of support that, you know, I, I received. I was at the 100-pounder meeting in the Valley on the following Wednesday. And I rem the speaker led a, um, her share was about being pregnant, staying absent, and how she got through it. Thank you, God. Um, so I got her number, called her, and that's what I've learned in program. I haven't had to do anything alone in program. Nothing. Everything, I mean, as long as one hand is with God, one hand is with, you know, fellows in a way, I have gotten through everything. Um, I've been pregnant in program. I've delivered a healthy baby girl. Um, I have a seven-month-old. And I thank God every day for her. Um, I've had different jobs. I've moved. 
this year, this year I moved home, you know, several times, and it's okay. It's okay. So when life does this, I can pretty much stay like this. <laughs> and I get that acceptance is key. Acceptance is key. Um, let's see what else I want to share. How many more minutes do I have? Oh. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, one of the, well, when I was working my program, I really developed a relationship with God. Now, like I said, I went to Catholic school. Um, went to a private Catholic college as well. And I still didn't have a relationship with God. Everything was more mechanical for me. I knew how to pray, get a Hail Mary. I could go to confession. I could do all that, but I didn't have a relationship with God. It wasn't until program that I was able to define, you know, who my higher power was going to be. And I remember uh, my sponsor said, okay, write down everything you want your higher power to be or to have, all the qualities. And I did that. And since then, like, it was, that was my foundation for working the rest of the steps. Because I wouldn't have been willing to have faith and take step four and five, for example, turn things over to my sponsor. And when I did my amends with step nine, I really had to rely on God and say, you know, that everything was going to be okay. I remember, for example, that I was involved in a, in a hidden room when I was younger. It wasn't, um, I had hit a car and didn't even know. <clears throat> and I remember telling my sponsor at that time, who's in this room, I said, I know that when I make this amend, I'm going to uh, get arrested. And um, at that time, she's smiling at me right now. At that time, she said, I was in the morning, she said, Marcella, you're going to make this amend. And I thought, how? What am I going to do? And she's like, Marcella, you're going to pray, you're going to make this amend. And she says, if you do get arrested, um, I'll take you some abstinent food tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do I do? I have faith. I, I uh, call others, and everybody said it's going to be okay. And you know what? It was, I admit what I've done. How do I make this up? And I'm still making payments. I'm making payments. I don't know who this person was, but I was giving direction of who to pay. I don't keep the money. That's it. Um, let's see. Currently, you know, my responsibility is to give over what I've been given. So I have sponsors now with a baby. How, do I, how does that happen? I have to set up boundaries. And if they okay, call me between this time and this time. And that's how 
sponsors check in, and all I do, my sponsor tells me, Maricela, nobody is required to buy your brand of sponsorship, but you are required to give it away. That's it. That's your responsibility. Um, if you're new, I just want to say welcome again. Get a sponsor. Uh, if you have, if you don't have one, get a sponsor. Everybody here is so willing to help you without asking for anything in return. And that was, that was something new for me because outside of the program, people would help me if I paid them. Mm -hmm. Or people would help me if I was willing to do something else in return. In programs, it's not like this. Everybody's so willing to give themselves uh, to you without asking for anything in return. And, yeah, reach out. Um, I think that's it. That's all I have to say. So thank you. <laughs> So the question was, how do I continue to take personal inventory? And thank you. So every day before I go to bed, I do a 10th step. And in my 10th step, I write, was I resentful? Yes, no. And then explain. Was I uh, dishonest? Yes, no. Explain. Um, resentful, selfish, self-seeking. Was I kind and loving to all? And do I owe any amends? And sometimes I don't wait until, uh, you know, it gets to 9 o'clock at night and, you know, I'm emailing it to my sponsor. I'm sometimes during it during the day, like when I'm feeling resentful, sometimes I need to take a break, go to the bathroom, and do a little mini four step. And I need to see my part. That's how I take personal inventory. And when I'm making my outreach calls, I also uh, tell others what my day is like and um, ask for others' experience, chance, and hope. Yes? <clears throat> Only if you're willing to do this. Are you willing to talk a little bit, a little bit more about the hit and run and how you Sure. So the question was if I was willing to talk about a little bit more of the hit and run situation and how I made amends and what happened. Okay. So when I was in my 20s, I uh, was driving a car and I, I hit another car that was parked. So there weren't any other people there. Um, but I, I knew that was wrong. I looked around to see if there were any cameras. I looked around to see if there were any witnesses, and I didn't leave a note. Because I thought I was going to get away with it. And you know what? I did. I thought I, you know, I got away with it. Nobody saw. And for years, I remembered, I lost sleep over that incident for months. I felt a lot of shame. I never did I tell one single person until I started working my stuff. That was one of those things blocking me from the sunlight of the spirit. Just that fear of, I'm going to get caught one day. Somebody might have seen. 
And when I told my sponsor, she didn't seem shocked. She didn't go, oh, you know, you horrible, evil person. She just she nodded. And when it was in time to, you know, make my amends, she said, that was actually one of my last amends to make. And when I actually told her, I went to a police officer and I told him, this is what happened. They looked at me as though I was a little crazy. <laughs> they really did. They went, <laughs> and I said, I have to do this. And, um, and actually, told, you know, I'm working this program, and I, and I told him a little bit about what I had to do, and, um, and he just, he didn't know how to respond. Yeah. He was, uh, he just said, well, I'll take down your name, I'll take down your information, and uh, if I get direction on what to do with this, I'll let you know. And I never got a call back. I, I never got anything. So I remember telling my sponsor, I said, this is what's happened. I made my, you know, I went in, I, I, I told them what happened, and she said, well, you can't keep the money. So, obviously you caused damage to this other vehicle. You don't have the other person's contact information. So, how much do you think I have damaged the bumper? So, how much do you think this bumper cost? So, I went online and I did all my research and it was about $600 or so. So, at that time I set up um, an account with Matt, Mothers of Drunk Drivers. And I set up a donation, so every month they would automatically take out a certain portion of my checking account. And so I've been making those payments for about two years, and it's only a few $30 or so that I donated every month. Any other questions? Yes? Um, thank you, You spoke about being brought up in a when you came into the program, um, what kind of shifted? And, and, and can you tell us a little bit about your spiritual So when I came into the program, step one, I still didn't, uh, you know, it didn't require me to even believe in God. So step one, I held on to my old ideas. Step two, uh, and so by the time I got to step three, I was willing to just write down the qualities, all the qualities that I wanted for my higher power to have. And by that time, I knew, because before step three, my sponsor was my higher power. I have to admit that. My sponsor was my higher power. I was really relying on my sponsor to get through everything. But by step three, I thought, hmm, if I had been able to get through by that time, I, did, I think it was like four months of abstinence, there has to be something else. So I wrote down every quality that I wanted my higher power to have, and I picked loving, very forgiving, uh, because I, you know, I was just raised with, you know, your dad, your dad, he's done this, he's done this, he's done this. Forgiving, um, gentle, patient, all-knowing, all-powerful, 
So when I got to describe all these things, I didn't, there's an actor who even has a voice that I want my higher power to have. Um, in my head, I know what my higher power looks like. And I know that my higher power is like always holding my hand very, very gentle with me. So um, that's how I was, you know, that's the start of it. And since then, I mean, the daily exercise, the relationship that I have with God is, is almost like a muscle that I have to work every day. Um, you know, starting in the morning, praying, meditating, and whenever turning things over, not just to God, but to his children. Because I really do believe, you know, when I say our father, it's our father. And we are all his children. And I, if I'm saying, you know, my God is my everything, but I'm not accepting of his children, then I'm really not accepting of God. That's it. So, and just working with uh, sex has helped me further just make that relationship stronger. Ali, and then over Thank you, Maricela. Based on what you just said about your relationship with your higher health and relationship with others, what is your relationship with yourself and have you been able to forgive yourself for um, your repentance? So, Ali's question. The question was, how do I, that relationship that I have with God, how have I been for, uh, used that to extend it to myself, to love myself, to forgive myself? Okay? So I transmit God's love through me by taking care of me. Before coming into program, I didn't even lost my teeth. So... Taking care of me means I've lost my teeth, I make appointments with a doctor, I take care of myself, um, I, my life is all about service, so whether it's service in the room or out of the room. Service to my daughter, service to my family, service to people, you know, that I work with, friends, and in the room, it is putting up a chair, it is welcoming somebody, it's service. And how have I been able to forgive myself. Um, I think that because at the beginning it was such a secret, there was so much weight that I had um, an expectation that I had on myself. And I, at that time, thought I had left, let my family down. And when I did my fourth step, and I was willing to forgive others, you know, doing those columns and writing down all my resentments and asking God to allow me to forgive these people. And I thought, okay, if I can forgive others, I should be able to forgive myself. And so many people had forgiven me when I made my ninth step amends. Thank God I had already worked my 12 steps. Because so, during my ninth step, and so many people said to myself, it's okay. Like, I was really beating myself more than they were beating me up. And a lot of people had, didn't even, weren't even aware. They had totally forgotten. 
And that they're more loving toward me than I am to myself. Um, and it's okay when you say that. How would, and my sponsor always has me do this, she has me write letters to God. And one of my letters to God was, um, yeah, about that shame. And then a little while later, I write a letter again as though I were God, you know? And what would God tell me? What would everything that I described in my third step, you know, my description, what would that God tell his child, one of his favorite children? And when I get that letter and I read it, you know, it's okay. It's okay. So, thank you. Mm -hmm. The question was, since becoming abstinent, have I had the desire to compulsively overeat? And what did I do? Okay? Right? So, yes. <laughs> During my first uh, several months, right before my first birthday, actually, everything was... I was very stringent. It was like breakfast, lunch, dinner, and I would time them. I would time my meal. They couldn't go over a certain time. Everything was um, texting right before. And I remember at that time, right before uh, getting my first year candle, I went on a cruise with my family. I went to Alaska, and trust me, you need to be totally spiritually fit in order to be on a cruise with your family. Um, but I remember, like, there was one night we had, we had this meal, and I remember eating something, and it really upset my stomach. And I don't believe it, too, so I immediately, my default position is, I know what to do. If I go to the bathroom, nobody has to know about it, I'll just vomit, and I'll feel a lot better. And I won't tell you. And that was, that's my default thinking. And... I, what I've learned in these rooms, I remember a speaker once said, when that happens, because that will happen, she said, you get on your knees and you don't get up. And this was around midnight or so. And I thought, okay, I'm on these I can't call anybody. So I get on the floor in the hallway and I'm praying. And I don't get up. And did I go to bed with a stomachache? I went to bed with a stomachache. Yeah. And I just got through it. Next morning, I felt better. Now, as far as eating... One of the reasons I found out I knew something was off with my body and I knew I was pregnant was because all of a sudden, from having these very structured, I, you know, by that time it's really habit. You know, I'm always eating the same thing pretty much. My head is spinning and I feel like if I don't get a certain food at a certain time, I'm going to kill somebody. Um, and that's how I knew something was off. And during that time, I saw, I remember talking to somebody and I said, well, are you spiritually fit? Are you going to meetings? Are you calling your sponsor? Are you, you know, all these things? And I said, yes. And then I went to the doctors and I found out I was pregnant. But when I, during that time, my food plan changed because I only had, I used to only eat three meals a day, but I started, I, I did have snacks during that um, nine month period. 
but my abstinence, I still remain abstinent. I, I don't eat sugar or flour because once I eat those things, I totally understand that allergy. And I get how one is too many and a thousand is not enough. I get it because I could eat a whole cake, but if you offer me another, I'll probably have that one too. So, I hope I answered this question. Thank you so much. Um, can you please just define abstinence? Okay. So my abstinence is no flour, no sugar, and um, three meals in a day. That's my good question. Yeah. How did you define that? I mean, like, because to me it's so wide and so narrow and like there's so many options to make the same plan. The question was how I defined my abstinence. Oh. So when I came in, my food sponsor had me write a food history. And I knew that I was the type of person who really like cookies and I'm I hope I'm allowed to say food. Okay. Cookies, cake, um, that was I was the type of person who if I didn't have, you know, sugar, I'd start shaking. Um, I'd get irritable, I'd start yelling. Um, so I totally understand the alcoholic, you know, thinking, if I think I want, if I don't want to have it, um, you know, I'm not going to have it, I'm going to restrain from it. I become very, you could say crazy. Um, so I knew sugar was definitely one. Flour, my sponsor suggested that I try that. Yeah, she said, are you willing? And I was, so. Any other questions? Yes. You said that um, so when you put down the food, your feelings come up, right? Mm-hmm. You said you're working six and seven specifically. Right? Mm-hmm. So talk about maybe specifically some sorts of defects you were working on and how you stop working and get into six and seven. The question was in regards to step six and seven and how feelings come up. So. When I first became abstinent, that was when most of, and I started working the stuff, I actually became very, very depressed, and all these feelings started to surface that I didn't even realize were really there, and if it weren't for working the stuff, and at that time really defining my higher power and having faith and all of you, I would have gone back to the food, because without program, I didn't know how to live without the food. And in regards to step six and seven right now, my sponsor has me do one character defect a week. And um, for example, one week I am writing about resentment. Every, I have to be aware of every time resentment comes up. And write it down, I check in with her, and I do some prayer about it, and it's just that awareness of turning it over, and she's always asking me, okay, my so what is the opposite of that? What is the opposite of self-seeking? What is the opposite of being resentful? What is the opposite of being in fear? So, so far, I've done fear, resentment, self-seeking, and this week, I'll be on selfishness. <laughs> Any other questions? 
Were you able to stop your compulsion to sugar and the flour The question was whether I was able to stop the sugar and the flour immediately. And the first, I, I was. I was. So, I was willing to do it at my first day during breakfast. And then I was literally counting down the time to lunchtime. And then I counted down the time to dinner. And it was like that, like at the beginning, it was just minute by minute. I get that minute by minute, hour by hour, meal, yay! <laughs> minute, minute, hour, meal. So, and calling in, calling in, texting, texting everything that I'm putting in my body. By the first week, I remember telling my sponsor, I can't do this. I can't do this. This is... It's the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And I've gotten multiple degrees. Um, and I've always said that it would be easy. I thought it was easier for me to get a PhD than, you know, not have sugar. Um, but it's happened, you know, a day at a time, one day at a time, three years later. It's a miracle. It is a miracle. If my sponsor would have said, Maricela, follow directions, you're not going to have, you know, sugar, flour, you know, you are crazy, but it's, it's a miracle, and I'm, I'm very grateful, that's why you know, I do as you do, I see that it's worked for you, and I'm willing to do the same thing, and is that, I believe that's time, one minute, okay, oh, thank you, what do you do when you don't feel like the question was, what do I do when I don't feel like flossing? Like when I don't want to take care of myself. And that happens a lot. <laughs> Sometimes I'm in bed and I'm just tired. I'm tired. I work a full-time job. I'm a grad student again. And I have a seven-month-old baby. And I'm tired. And I'm in bed sometimes, and I've done my 10 steps, and I haven't brushed my teeth, and I haven't flossed. I mean, I haven't even put my little night cream on or anything. And I have to think, Marisela, what would God want you to do? And it's never, okay, just go to sleep. It's, okay, take care of yourself. What would I want my daughter to do? Take care of herself. What does want God needs to do? Take care of myself. And I feel a whole lot better when it's done. That's it.